What's up, guys? Welcome in. Good to see you. Got a great episode today. 10,000 hours. What does it take to be a master? 10,000 hours? What does it mean to be a great teacher, to be a master teacher? What does that look like? This is an episode with my brother Gus, previously released in audio on his channel, Reality Now, on Substack. So perhaps you've heard it. Here, we're giving you the video. You can also listen to the audio on Spotify. Uh, great conversation. Great conversation. Talking about the paradox of the guru, the pitfalls of becoming a guru, or at least allowing your ego to latch on to the, the mask of being the guru and the problems that that leads to. This is a conversation I'm really interested in. We've all had them. We've had the great coaches. We've had the great teachers. We've had great mentors in our lives. If you're really lucky, you've had at least one. Maybe you've had a handful. You also know what it's like to come into contact with someone who thinks they're a great teacher or thinks they have a lot to offer, yet there's a disconnect in how the information comes through or what the information looks like, or perhaps they're simply just not a good teacher. So we dive into this topic. Excited to share this with you guys. Today's episode is brought to you by our bros at Raw Optics. Now, these... I really love these things. There's tons of science out there on the negative effects of too much blue light, LED, too much artificial light, which we're just bombarded with at this stage in existence. I mean, how often we spend so much time on our phone. If you're like me, you work from home, just about all of the work I do is done from a laptop, so I've got to use it. The technology is 1,000% an absolute blessing and a gift to us and being able to give us the opportunity to make money using the internet online, developing businesses and programs and podcasts and doing all the stuff we love to do. Yet, how do we mitigate all the negative side effects? The you know that feeling when you feel fried. Your eyes feel fried, your brain feels fried, your nervous system feels fried. You feel like you've taken in too much or you've been just staring at a screen all day. You feel totally flattened. I know I have. These, just these little babies right here, these super stylish, they look pretty dope too, I have to say. Super stylish. And when I wear them and I'm doing all of my screen work, I have to say there's a massive difference in my nervous system. There's a massive difference in my mood, in my state of well-being. I feel like, I feel protected, feel shielded. This literally blocks all of that damaging blue light. So I highly recommend it. I love them a ton. There's lots of great science out there. These guys are about as good as it gets, Matt and the Raw Optics team. So use code EBBINFLOW. Get yourself a nice little discount when you head over to their website, rawoptics.com. Highly recommend them, guys. All of the science aside, I'm about how does it feel? Does it work? 
Does it make my life better? These definitely do. The next peeps, we got a shout out, Strong Coffee. You know, my guy, Adam, his wife, Araceli, the Strong Coffee family, Caleb, one of my favorite products on the planet. I use it just about every day. This is organic instant coffee blended with L-theanine, other adaptogens, great things like ashwagandha, reishi mushroom. It's got neurofactor in there, fires up the brain, no jitters. So you get the energy, the clarity, the focus, no jitters. It's the best. Strongcoffeecompany.com. Use code EBFLOW. Get yourself a 10% off discount there. Love that. Okay, finally, we've been working on a lot of stuff. We've been working hard. My guy Noah and I, we've been developing some serious, some serious shit. I'm not going to lie. I'm really excited about it. The first thing we've put out, it's available now. Super basic tools to improve your life. I distilled them down into a 30-page life guide, the Ebb and Flow Life Guide. Hit the link in the show notes. You can go and download that for free right now today. That will also tap you into this Ebb and Flow community, the Power Tribe. Now, next year, we're getting ready to launch a super awesome, I mean, I don't really have any other words for it, annual year-long mentorship program called Life and Flow. You will get access to that if you put your email in and download the Life Guide. We will be sending out updates on that. But this is a year-long mentorship program. If you love me, if you love the message, you want more, you want more access, you want direct access to me, and also a community of epic individuals. We're gonna have monthly master classes. There's gonna be live yoga, breathwork, meditation sessions. You're gonna get discounted rates and priority access to all the Heal and Flow events. It's not to miss. If you love everything we're doing, this is for you. You can email contact at ebonbritton.com to get direct information for that, all right? Lots of love to you guys, man. Have an epic day. Live in your highest greatness. Stay tapped in. Enjoy this episode. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source, the key of imagination, your admission, access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux. Only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come. Testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. Noah's here, Ebb's here. This is Reality Now in collaboration with the Ebb and Flow podcast. We do this occasionally. Sometimes I have an idea and I throw it at Ebb and then Ebb comes over. Um, this will probably be released. No, this will. This will be released first on Reality Now and then it'll be released on the Ebb and Flow. 
I'm grateful for this opportunity to communicate. The idea of the teacher was coming up for me. And then, you know, the um, other aspects of that. Um, so the teacher, the master, what it takes to be to take the seat of the teacher, the responsibility of that. Um, and then, you know, when do you get to call yourself a master? And then this other idea that I believe we've all heard of 10,000 hours or 10 years, somehow those go hand in hand. I'm not sure. I, I wanted to look up who created that idea, but mm. there's the idea of you become a master after doing something for 10,000 hours or 10 years, which if for me, if I look at it, it feels true. There's something about 10,000 hours of discipline, of continuous practice to become a master feels true. Mm -hmm. And then this thing in our culture, um, you know, I think as it pertains to social media and then it, it does shine through in the yoga community of, first of all, if you have a mic and a camera these days on social media, you can take the seat of the teacher, you know, and I think, um, just the, the feeling around, being conscious of who you're listening to and what information you're taking in. And then also, you know, that, that, that responsibility of saying, you know, of teaching somebody, you know, where, where, where did that come from? And, and I'm talking about all of us in a way, you know, where did that come from where you felt like, okay, now I can take that seat. And then also this thing of, you know, you can throw a rock, particularly in LA, you can throw a rock and hit a yoga studio that will give you a certificate that says you're a teacher, which I think is interesting. And this is not to denigrate people that have taken their path to call themselves a teacher. I think it's, I just think it's an important discussion, you know, about this, this topic. Um, because I know you teach yoga. I did, and I know you're very much a teacher. And I'd love to hear your journey on when you felt like you could take the seat of a teacher. I'd also love to hear about if you consider yourself a master at something or what your process is or if you're in that process. And then, you know, also for me, it's been interesting because I did a 200-hour teacher training, but I didn't in yoga with Noah Maze, who's a great teacher who you know. I know you've practiced with him. Um, but I didn't do it necessarily to become a teacher. I did it to deepen my practice, mm. but I got a certificate that essentially says I can teach yoga now. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, go through some of that stuff. I don't know where we begin Good on all stuff, those. Man. Well, first but, I'm curious, why does, why has this started coming up for you? So this came up for me recently because I've been doing a lot of martial arts, particularly Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. And I was thinking the other day about how jujitsu and, and it, another thing that's interesting to me, Eb, is that different practices have very clear delineations of when you're a master or when you're like leveling up. Like in Muay Thai, there's no belts. So you don't really, that's your own feeling space of where you are in your craft. In jujitsu, the master teacher is giving you belts so he's establishing your masterhood when you're moving up. And and then I was thinking, you know, because you start, I don't know if it's the... Your level of mastery. Yeah, and, it's, and I don't know if it has to do with our sort of 
manifest destiny or competitive nature of being a human, you know, you start doing a jujitsu class and you're seeing guys with belts higher than you and you go, man, I want that belt. And it's like, that really takes you out of the practice because then you're just concerned about the belt. Don't do the, don't, don't be in class thinking about a belt, let the belt come. Mm. And then in yoga, you know, what's the delineation between saying I'm a teacher now, you know, it's funny. I've had this experience when I'll take teach some teachers classes where I can feel they're a master mm. in a yoga class. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've had that yeah. or after the class, I'm like, wow, that person took me on a complete trip yeah. with how they taught. Yeah. And then I go into some classes and I'm like, okay, I can sense that they're still feeling out their process as a teacher. Yeah. Um, so that's where it's been coming up for me. I think just in my martial arts and I've just been thinking, mm. okay, when do you get to take the seat as the teacher? Mm. What does that, what does that look like? Mm. So it's a good question. Yeah. Interesting question. Another thing that comes to mind, that's one of these cultural, it's, it's really a cultural degradation of the teacher Mm, that that phrase those who can't do teach Mm, mm. and like where did that come from and what an interesting thing um and i don't necessarily feel like we need to spend much time on that however it has corrupted the western psyche in its perception of the teacher and teachers Mm. Teachers in particular in schools and yoga teachers, these are not high paying jobs. Mm. These are some of the lowest paying jobs that one can assume. And yet it's probably the most important job. Right. Like think about, okay, we've been taken out of the tribe. We're living in this Western civilized world where we're all living in houses and we gather in schools and churches. Okay, we've made that transition. Now think about if we implemented a a reverence for teachers Mm. and made teachers, made it a thing to really be honored and respected in the people who become the teachers, because those people are the ones who are educating the youth and spreading these cultural means and these ideas and ways of being, Mm. whether it's finances or learning history, humanity, all of these things, you know, like we could have this society and imagine if we had fucking great teachers and Mm. really had reverence for the role of the teacher. Mm. Because these people are very important. They have massive influence. Whether we revere them or not. Yeah. Think about how many hours a day your child is spending at school with teachers. Right. You want those people to be fucking wise, deep thinking individuals. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. So that's something that came to my mind about that. And... I think it is interesting. I was having this conversation with Jarrett, funny enough, last time we talked, which was probably over a month ago, but it was coming to me of this interesting 
uprising in teachers and like wellness people and influencers and young people like young people right <laughs> taking on this role of coach right and me just thinking to myself like dude what's the rush here mm. mm -hmm. and i think the rush has mostly to do with we live in a society where there's this this undercurrent this whole other realm called social media where we are encouraged pushed manipulated towards creating a brand and in the wellness world it becomes this coach brand and being a coach and being a teacher and perhaps offering something when you're still in a mode of figuring it out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think teaching is a massive responsibility mm -hmm. for being honest about it yeah teaching calling yourself a teacher putting yourself in that teacher role which teacher, coach, these are interesting delineations, discernments in instructor positions or mentorship positions. But I think that there's a great responsibility if you're going to step into that role. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of great ones out there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who have a lot of stuff to offer, a lot of good things to offer the world. And what a blessing to have social media that we can offer these things. We have a channel by which we can offer our experience, strength, and hope. Mm -hmm. So that's something that came to me. And then um, I've been watching that show, Quarterback. Oh, <laughs> It's brought up a lot of interesting stuff. Has it? Have you watched it? No, no, no. It's the documentary, right? Yeah, it's the series on... I'm surprised you're watching that. I know. Well, I had my buddy Jared... I sent you that video phone. of uh, Bernard dancing in the locker room. You didn't respond. I thought that's such a good video. Bernard? <laughs> I guess I missed Bernard that. Pollard when he's dancing, when he's doing oh. like the strip club dance in the oh video. Oh, my God. In the dude. locker room. I'll have to watch it. Yeah. Um, that's a whole side I got, never, I got... Never mind that. The, no, we should come back to that, yeah. but... Um, I got a handful of hits. Eb, watch this show. Eb, have you oh, watched really? this show? Eb, you got to watch this show. And uh -huh. it was coming at a time where I was thinking about really leaning into and integrating my football past, my athlete past, yeah. and everything I'm doing now. Yeah. And that yeah. making it a more whole right. picture. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it. And, uh, the, these two guys aren't really aren't in it that much. Andy Reid is in it. Huh. But I was saying this yesterday that Andy Reid is the coach Andy of the Reed, Kansas City Chiefs. Head coach legendary of the Kansas coach. City Chiefs. Le, head, legendary head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid and Bill Belichick are two masters. Mm -hmm. They're two master level coaches. Right. And the thing that sets these guys apart if you know the game and you understand how a team functions and you recognize the role of the head coach, what is a great head coach? What's a shitty head coach? There's right. a lot of bad coaches out there. Yeah. A lot of bad coaches. Yeah. I've been lucky to have a couple great head coaches. Yeah. 
who weren't, I wouldn't give them, they're not quite the masters that Andy Reid and Bill Belichick are. And I'll tell you what, what the difference is with these guys is, is that Andy Reid and Bill Belichick, they have no ego. Mm. Bill, while he looks like a complete asshole when right. he gives his, right. his, uh, <laughs> You know, interviews, which yeah. why not? Like, why would you be, you know, Mr. <laughs> personality there? Bill's, Bill seems like he's got a lot of ego, but maybe he doesn't. Well, this maybe is that's the, his sort of mask. Well, the thing is, Bill is a total, he's the ultimate football monk. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, he has embodied the essence, the spirit of football. Right. And it's ingrained in his being. And Andy Reid, the same thing, but sort of on the happy Buddha side. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. But both of these guys, what they're masters of is every season they look at the team that they have and they go, okay, this is what these guys are fucking great at. Mm. And I'm going to build a whole system around what these guys are great at. Mm. Like, fuck my thing Mm -hmm. about what I think works, my system, all this shit. Yeah. I'm going to build the system around the fucking personnel that I have. Right. And that's why they're always... In the playoffs, they're perennial winners, Super Bowls, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, And a lot of coaches, I've had the experience myself, a lot of coaches just want the players to fit their system Mm. because it's an ego trip for them. Right, right. They're all in their ego. Mm. So one point about being a great teacher, being a master teacher, there's no ego left. Uh You're not there to show everybody how great you are, how mm. much you know. Interesting. That's the ultimate pitfall of the of teacher, the teacher of the guru. Interesting. Is to be in the ego trip of I'm wise, I know everything. God. Listen to me. Yeah. So the moment you feel that energy from someone, you go, "Oh, you're not actually a guru, bro. You're right. just playing a game." Right. Right. You're just putting on a face. That's so interesting. You know. Huh. Um so it's funny you asked to do the pod on teachers because yeah. I was literally talking about that yesterday. Oh, funny. I don't even know why. It just yeah. kind of, I think I saw a clip of Andy Reid talking. Yeah. So the other interesting thing that came up in quarterback, <clears throat> and I think it is actually, at first I'm going, this isn't really connected, but then the more I, I feel into this concept I'm going to share, I feel... It's very much linked to the art of teaching. Mm-hmm. So you've got these three quarterbacks. You've got Patrick Mahomes from the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got Kirk Cousins from the Minnesota Vikings. And you've got Marcus Mariota interesting on the Falcons. Mix they yeah. chose. It's a really interesting thing, and it's really fucking profound, actually, what I'm witnessing there. Uh-huh. So you've got... Patrick Mahomes, right. who's basically the face of the NFL right now. Right, right. The guy's unbelievable. Yeah. He's he's a superstar. He's a massive talent. Right. The other really interesting thing about Pat Mahomes uh-huh. is he is totally in joy with football. I love like he's that. just out there having fun. I love that. Like he was six years old out in the backyard throwing the ball with his buddies I and his it. dad. I love it. That's where he lives. Which is why they win. Which is why he's constantly winning. Right. He finds a way to win. He's just having fun. I love it. Kirk Cousins is the archetype of the warrior <laughs> with something to prove. Right, right. Like he's really working hard. He's stressed out about it. 
he's totally in the mode of I've got to prove myself right in this game. Interesting. Interesting. And then Marcus Mariota is the character of super talented, mm. beyond gifted athlete right. who's been completely heartbroken mm. by the game. Interesting. And is just, you can see it in him. He's just dying to wow. stay in it. Wow. Like, because he, A, what happens to many of us, you don't know what else to do. Right. B, the money's fucking great. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I got another shot. I'm going to keep doing it. But my fucking, I feel completely heartbroken yeah. Yeah. by this game. Right. So you've got these three really interesting characters happening. Mm. And I've been reading this book, The Book of Five Rings by Musashi. Mm. Oh, yeah. Ancient Master Samurai. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it's really a book about teaching, but it's about being a master of life, really. And he's coming at it from the perspective of having been a samurai, one sixty fatal Mortal Kombat battles. Right. <laughs> you know, like from the time he was like 17 to 29 and then he went and lived in a cave and just meditated and mm-hmm. fasted until mm-hmm. he died in his 60s or something. Yeah. And he wrote the this book, and it's all about the way, what he calls the way. Mm. And something that's really, I just started it, but something that's really interesting that, that hit me right in the head mm-hmm. was the way, being in the way is about <clears throat> understanding the essence of a thing, whether it's swordsmanship, mm. craftsmanship, yoga, mm. music, are whatever it is mm. you are living from the essence of that thing and then you make your whole life about studying and practicing this art mm. and you think about where we get lost so much when we're we're in the doing mm. we're doing stuff we're doing things because other people do them or because we saw it and it looked cool. All these things, these reasons that we do things that are are mechanical. Mm-hmm. It's a mechanical thing. Like you're playing football because it's a way for you to prove yourself. You're good at it. You fucking love the violence and the rage. You like working the technique. But you're not quite in the essence of it. Mm-hmm. You're not quite anchored in the essence of it. So... To whatever degree, you'll never really be a master until you anchor into and recognize the essence of the game. You'll just be mm-hmm. beating your head against the wall. It won't be sustainable. Mm-hmm. You're not in the flow. <laughs> yes. And letting that, letting <clears throat> creating yourself as an instrument for the art to move through you, mm. for the art to express itself through you. Right. And so I think that as a teacher, whatever it is that you're teaching, whatever it is that you're teaching, it has to come from that place of being totally anchored in the essence of a thing. And so what does it mean? When you're a master of something, I've been called a master. I was very flattered when this dude told me I was a master. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I, I don't. I'm, I feel I'm a master student. Uh My 
teaching has given me the opportunity to be a master student of myself and what I come into contact with. And I'm a master of letting go of my ideas. Really quickly, I can recognize where I'm in resistance or I'm in my head and I'm thinking about something and trying to wrap my head around it and my judgment, my critique is coming in to, to paint this perspective of a thing that I'm working in and I'm really good at recognizing that and letting it go and getting into the thing, just, mm-hmm. just being with the stuff, you know? Right. And I'm recognizing that also having done this fast. Mm. I'm on day four of this water and juice fast and it's been day two is like a fucking ayahuasca trip. I love that. Just so I had lightning bolts running through my body, all sorts of thoughts, all sorts of confrontations with self. And what I've recognized is, man, I'm really good at just letting go Mm. when the shit gets totally fucking unbearable, Mm -hmm. just surrendering into it. And finding a deeper place of comfort and peace mm. in the midst of complete chaos and disruption. So I think in a, a teacher, whatever it is that they're teaching, is teaching from a place, the place of the essence of the art. They're also... They've dissolved the ego mm-hmm. so that... It's not about, hey, look at me and what I'm teaching you. I know so much. Mm-hmm. It's about providing the students with the space to succeed yeah. and learn for themselves. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. For me, anytime I've been with a teacher who's really pushing me on an ideal or a philosophy or a thought process... There's always so much more resistance for me because I would rather be shown, basically given the keys to the castle and then allowed the opportunity to explore for myself. Mm. So as a teacher, how do you provide that environment for your students? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, you said a lot there that I think we, we should unpack. First of all, this thing of what's the rush? What are we doing? What is the rush, dude? Stop. Stop. You know, that's been such a blessing, dude. I got to tell you, that's been such a blessing with practicing the martial arts, particularly the Muay Thai and like going into it with a certain level of awareness of this is going to take time, you know? So I can humble myself and we're doing when we're doing drills and I got to throw a knee and I forget to keep my hands up or I have no fucking idea how to twist my hips in this kick, mm. it's like, bro, you're not going to get this all today. Yeah. Stop, dude. You know, you yeah. got the little, you, you got our teacher. He's been doing this for 50 years. Uh-huh. Like, just stop. What yeah. is the rush to have it all figured out, dude? That's been such a blessing of like. Surrender. Because I just, you know, yeah. And, and well, you as know, lifetime athletes, that's pretty counter to everything we've been. Well, exactly. That too, when you're athletic and you're learning a technique also, you're just like, why don't I know this already? Let's yeah. just fucking, I can move my body. Why don't I know how to do this shit? Yeah. But, you know, that's not reality. Mm-hmm. So that's a super humili- uh, uh, humbling. Hum- humbling experience of what's the rush? Just stop. 
You know, and then I think one of the things about the social media life coach deal is that, you know, one of the challenges of that is that we've realized we can make money off of being a teacher now. So we're sort uh-huh. of, we're, which is fine, make money off of being a teacher, but don't start teaching because you see that you can make money off of it. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I think, I think there needs to be a conscious space around that, you know, and, and with, with social media, we see, you know, we've read a few books or whatever, and we see that, oh, maybe I can, if I call myself a life coach, I can monetize this thing. Mm. And it's like, are you ready to do that? I don't know. That's not up to me. That's personal. That's subjective. Right. Um, but I think it goes back to something we've talked about before, too. You know, knowing something intellectually or knowing it intuitively. And I guess that's also up to the student. Do you trust this person? Do you right. intuitively feel like you trust this person? And I also do feel like we have multiple teachers throughout our lives. Definitely. I think we have ones that last, but then we also, you know, excuse me, I keep going back to the fighting metaphors. No, but it's you know, a good you, one, You though. see with fighters a lot of times, they you, you hear this thing, they change camps. Yeah, yeah. Like they lose a fight or they win a fight, and then the guy says... Oh, he changed coaches. Right, right. Because he realized I had to go learn something else. Mm. So I think that's an interesting correlation between the student and the teacher. Um, and then another, yes. you know, yes. I, I, just, I just pulled this up to this Socratic thing of I know that I know nothing. Back Socrates. to your... Yeah, the Socratic... The, 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 the quote from Socrates, I know that I know nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's such an awful place to be in where you think you know everything. It's oh, a yeah, fucking you awful can't be place a teacher, to be. Or, or a student. <laughs> totally. You're fucked. <laughs> you know? Totally, it's totally true. You're fucked. Yeah, that's really a bad place to yeah. be in. And then another thing I want to bring up off of what you said about the essence... I feel like in terms of the, the in, in art form, that has to do, that could be also defined as your voice. Mm. So you, you, you've, you've recognized your essence slash your voice in your occupation, in your teaching. Mm. You know, like as writers, like if I'm editing something, you know, does this person have a voice? That's mm. a really powerful thing. Because you've gotten down to the essence of what you're trying to say or how your craft manifests. Um, That's really interesting. Like I feel like I, I can say this with humility. I've mastered a certain type of writing mm. where I have my voice. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, there's no, there's no second guessing what I'm doing with when I'm in this writing. Yeah, there's no second guessing it. Well, you've definitely done. More than ten thousand hours of writing. Yeah, you know, which I which I feel like I. How could many say. hours in one year? Just curious. I'm How looking it up. Twenty four times three sixty five. Eight thousand seven hundred sixty hours in right. one year. Right. You're asleep for half, half of that. that. Right. So, so you think it's like years, years and years of yeah of committing yourself. There's yeah. a commitment yeah. to an art. Right. Like, I feel like confidently I could teach somebody how to write. Mm. I can't really teach you how to find your voice, mm. but I could teach you some some things 
about the 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 magic of getting into writing and all that and the, some techniques. Well, I would say that's teaching somebody how to find their voice, don't you? Well, think? sure, because you would maybe find it in the process. You right? can't teach them what their voice is. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yes, yeah. that's the that is the thing, right? And I want to bring up this other thing about Picasso. This was really interesting. I was in Barcelona, and one of the places I did when I was there, I went for for whatever reason, because Picasso's from Spain, mm. I believe. I think he spent time uh-huh. in Barcelona. I don't know where he was exactly. But there's a, the Picasso Museum is in Barcelona. And uh, I went there, and it's a really interesting museum because the whole museum is set up basically in chronological order. So you can see where his work started uh-huh. to where it got to. Mm-hmm. You know, we see Picasso today, and we say, oh, Picasso's the guy that paints noses where the mouth should right, be and right. three eyes and, you know, yeah. it looks all fucked up, but it's somehow yeah. transcendent. Picasso, if you look at his early work, yeah. it's it's nothing like that. Yeah. So you can see how he just like broke it down and broke it down and pared it down to where he just got to this essence of what he was wanting to do with his work. Yeah. It's really profound. Yeah. I mean, he's a master, you know, with abstract art, there is a, I think a subjectivity of, is this shit or is this really powerful, Uh beautiful, sort of completely honed in work? I feel like with him, it is. Um, But that's an interesting thing to see how he became the master that we know Mm. today. Uh Um, So... Yeah, I think it's cool. I think you see that in films. Mm-hmm. Films are an interesting one because it's like who who do we credit the art to? Cuz there's it's such a collaboration. Like the director, the writer, the actors, the producers. You know, like who do we credit ma- a master film? Mhm. Like I was thinking, he got game as a masterpiece right. of a sports film <clears throat> for a number of reasons. But like I wouldn't, not every movie Spike Lee did was a masterpiece. Right. Or like Oliver Stone, I would say, is a master. Mm-hmm. And not every movie he's done is a masterpiece. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I would say probably Picasso, master. Yeah. Not every piece of art he made was a masterpiece yeah you know yeah yeah um and and i think that's let's take another sports figure tom brady Mm -hmm. michael jordan lebron james these guys are masters kobe Mm -hmm. guys are masters of their craft they had shitty games right they had really shitty games. Yeah. So the master, the mastery transcends even. We're talking about what it means to be a master, and and also I bet a handful of those guys, maybe every guy I just mentioned, would not be a very good teacher. Mm. Like who knows? That's a different thing, right? Entirely, right? You know, like would Tom Brady be a great coach? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never met him. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mastery of an art form doesn't necessarily mean every piece, every production is a masterpiece. 
I think that what you ta- what you said about essence and voice being really interesting and and your voice being that unique expression of you as the instrument for the art to express itself through. Mm-hmm. So finding your unique voice, that's another big thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an interesting dance as a teacher. If you're teaching yoga, like for me, when I teach these, these Hatha practice, these Hatha classes, postural classes that are very asana based, Little pranayama here and there, but very asana based. So postural classes, typical yoga classes. You know, yoga is so much more vast than that. The postures are just this one part. They're the physical part and they're really important and really useful. Mm-hmm. But you would imagine that teaching one of those classes would be about getting the students to do the best posture they could possibly do each time. Right, right. And for me, when I go in there teaching a yoga class, it actually has nothing to do with how well they do the postures. Right. I'm not interested in that, actually. Yeah. Because everybody is completely different. Mm-hmm. Where each individual comes in that day is totally different. Maybe one day they look like a ballerina. The next day they can barely touch their toes. There's all sorts of variances there physically. The postures are really a structural system for them to align their skeletal system via gravity to produce certain results through a technique, Mm -hmm. through very specific techniques and cues and connecting to the breath. Mm -hmm. So then what is a yoga class actually about? Well, Mm. a yoga class is actually about having the experience of getting out of the chaos of your mind, the chaos of your body and getting to center, Mm -hmm. which is where you meet yourself, Mm -hmm. where you come into contact with you. Mm -hmm. Right? So for me, that's, When I have the opportunity to teach a yoga class, I'm teaching the essence of yoga to people. I'm providing an environment, a structure for people to come in and have an experience of themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Rather than telling them what it should be like. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting. I was with somebody yesterday and I said, oh yeah, I've been doing yoga probably since I was 10. That's when mom started taking us to yoga classes. And they said to me, oh, so you can prob- you can do all the wild postures, right? And uh-huh. I was like, not really. <laughs> uh-huh. and, uh, you know, and I was just like, that's not what it's about to me. Yeah. But which is funny in terms of the take your time stuff and the things we see, you know, like on social media, we see a crazy posture and think, oh, I got to get there. If I do that, then right. I must be a master. Right. And that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. And I also think it's interesting what you said about the coach finding the things in the student that they're greatest at. Mm-hmm. You know, you can cultivate the other things, but like, what are you really great at? Yeah. You know, in, in, in football, you, everybody plays a different position. You know, mm. in martial arts, some guys are grapplers, some guys are strikers. Right. You know, you have different things. Yeah. Some guys kick a lot. Some guys punch a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
So I think as a teacher, it's really important. If we're discussing the position of the teacher, what makes a great teacher? Mm-hmm. The great teacher knows the strengths and weaknesses of the students. Yeah. And can help highlight and illuminate the strengths, lean into those, recognize those. And, for instance, if you're a fighter, you're a great striker, you're not a great grappler, that doesn't mean you're going to turn your entire fighting style into keeping yourself off the ground. You're going to practice grappling to bring up your grappling while... Also doing everything you can right. to highlight your right. your striking ability, right. you know, and keep the fight in that realm. Yeah. Or look at Rodman, who probably scored like the least points of anybody in an NBA career, and he's like a Hall of Famer. I mean, he just rebounded. Yeah, you know, he, he was mastered a master rebounding. rebounder. Yeah, diving for the ball, fucking, totally. You know, diving into the like. There's those photos of him diving into the crowd that are just like so totally, good. Dude. Um, I think another thing about mastering a practice or an art form is you're really mastering yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. mastery of self through the vehicle of yeah. X. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. I wanted to ask you about honoring your occupation. And, mm. um, you know, maybe this can tie into people that might be listening to this saying, well, I want to be a teacher. You know, you know what, you know, and, 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 you know, now I'm thinking, am I ready? Am I not ready? You know, but, you know, I, I had this friend who was an actor and was, was successful, um, to a, you know, degree and he stopped calling himself an actor Mm. and did that turn off? No, I don't know if anything. Okay. And I just thought. It was a really unfortunate thing because I saw him drift away mm. from his passion. Uh-huh. And I think that's really dicey. And um, uh, I don't know. I just something. think there's something really important about saying, you know, staking your claim too. Totally. You know? And uh, we must. We must. That was a bit stake the sad to me. Uh You know, it was kind of sad. Well, this is this interesting thing. This brings up an interesting thing for me that, uh, that I've been studying and experiencing lately, which is this confrontation with the devil Mm -hmm. confrontation with the enemy. So in this book, the uh, wild at heart by John Eldridge, it's got a very Christian lean to it, which is great. It's really interesting. Um, but he talks about how Christians practicing Christians will use this, this analogy or this metaphor of confronting the enemy, confronting the devil. And what is that? Like, what does that mean? And that has never really resonated with me until reading this book. Mm. And so I'm reading it and I, I'm, as he's describing it, I'm like, oh, that's like confronting your demons. That's, in another way of speaking, that's confronting your bad programming or the programming that is no longer serving you. Mm-hmm. And it was late at night and I was in the kitchen and 
I was just cleaning up the kitchen before bed, and all of a sudden, all of this this negative self talk started to whisper in, and it was, eh, "Who do you think you are, man? You got nothing to share, right? <laughs> what? Like, what are you teaching? You think you're teaching people something?" <laughs> Like, what the fuck, dude? You're not making any money. You got like you're not making enough money. You can't do anything right, you know. And I all of a sudden I thought to myself, Oh, this is the devil. This is the enemy here. And it was a really interesting articulation of this persona that was inside my head. And so Reading this, after reading this book and having this experience of, oh, wow, there he is. That's that dude. That's the enemy right there. And all of a sudden, I just switched the talk to, I didn't resist it. I didn't push away from it. All I started saying was, I know exactly who the fuck I am. I'm doing a great job. Mm -hmm. I'm a teacher. I've got a lot of, I have a lot to share with the world. Mm -hmm. I have a lot to be of service Mm. be in service of mm. with my life. I know exactly what the fuck I'm doing, where I'm supposed to be. I know what the fuck I'm doing and I know who I am. Mm. I know who I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, that voice, that that enemy, the devil, slinked away, man, was nowhere to be found, just vanished because that's what it does. When you confront it and you stand tall and you say, you know what, actually you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. That's all just... That's every naysayer you've ever come into contact with. That's all the society talk. That's all this whole thing that is buried in there that just like seeps up every once in a while, you know? And the more you anchor into fulfilling yourself, fulfilling your soul, living from the heart, healing the wounds, all of these important things, you get more and more anchored in the light and truth of your highest self, God, which is connected to God. And so the enemy, the devil, the demons, the programming, that stuff becomes farther and farther away. And for me, it was very interesting. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of interaction with this voice. I've let, I've let that voice bury me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That voice has buried me in the past for days, left me paralyzed. Right. Unable to make phone calls, send emails, do anything. Yeah. And I just beat it back with positivity and light. Mm -hmm. And it was a really interesting experience because it goes right in line with this thing. How many times does that voice arise? Because then your ego jumps in on that too. Your Mm -hmm. ego loves that voice. Your ego goes, yeah, man, we're not doing shit. What do you, we don't have anything to offer. Fuck. I'm not like that guy over there. I'm not like Andy Reid or I I don't, you know, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. Yeah. Because there is the grand mystery of the unknown always. Mm -hmm. And as a teacher, when you're really fucking committed to the practice of being in service of an art form which I would say perhaps is the definition of a teacher. You're being in service of an art form. Mm -hmm. 
And part of that practice being to constantly let go of your ego, constantly let go of your idea that you know anything or that you're a master that people have to listen to you, letting go of that constantly. Mm -hmm. I did a podcast about this a while back called The Guru Paradox. Mm -hmm. And it was all about this. And it was sparked by Bhagavan Das in his book, It's Here Now Are You. The ultimate ego trip is the guru. Mm -hmm. It's the deadliest trap we can step into being right. the guru mm. because every people want us man yeah. people want to have to know what we think they want to know what we have to offer right and so it has to be this constant letting go of like i'm just a student man yeah. i'm a student right. who's learning just as yeah. you are yeah. just as anyone is yeah and the best I can offer you is an environment, a space, a container for you to tap into the center right. of yourself, right. to tap into your truth yeah. in using this thing as a vehicle for that. Yeah. So I think it's, it's profoundly important to stake your claim mm -hmm. to recognize yourself as the artist because otherwise if you're not recognizing yourself as the artist first of all your art will never be able to become your commerce mm. you'll never be able to live off your art mm -hmm. if you don't stake your claim as an artist because you'll always have one foot in and one foot out You'll never be able to fully commit to your art unless you say, I'm a fucking actor. Right. I'm a fucking artist. I'm a yogi. I'm a painter. I'm a writer. I'm, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. If you don't fucking stake your claim, it'll always be this thing because you're half at, you're, you're not fully bought in in your heart. Right. Right. And you let it drift away mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah like you'll let it fall away from you yeah because that's your relationship to it mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah well now that being said one final thing just to close the loop that's another dance because you don't want to wholly identify yourself as one thing to the extent that it buries you and closes you off to to learning. Right, right. To learning. expanding, to yeah. growing, yeah. and shifting and right. changing. Right. Well, then I think there's something interesting about, I was thinking about the shaman, and mm. maybe this whole thing I'm proposing of when do you become a teacher sort of gets thrown out the window if I say, you know, like, shamans are born. They're not really made. Mm. shamans are born as far as i can tell you're like you're born a shaman which is what a teacher a guru a guide mm -hmm. so is is being the teacher just another occupation you know yes you know i mean really yeah like you know because you came out of the shoot wanting to be a teacher as far as i can tell or having the capacity to teach or the ability to teach in the way that I don't necessarily express myself that way. Well, that's so. A, I think you're you're nailing a difference. So there's a difference, you know. Some people are born teachers. 
And some, some people, people just kind of want to teach assume, or think they should be teaching. Yeah, you assume right. the position. Okay. Well, There's then I tons guess, of that. Well, then I guess what's the delineation between somebody who's a true teacher and not a true teacher? I suppose that would be up to the student uh-huh. to decide. The student goes, wow, I can feel that this person has the energy of a teacher and they go for it. Or you don't go for it, or you go for it, and the mex- and the messages are mixed. Yeah, that's one of those things. You, it's almost impossible to articulate then what is what makes a true teacher. Well, then I come to this: when the student is ready, the teacher will come, mm. and probably when the teacher is ready, the student will come. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, totally. Probably the same way. Yeah. Because you're given the opportunity to be a teacher. Yeah. I just think maybe when your occupation becomes a teacher, it's a different story, right? Because I think we all get the opportunity to be teachers in our in our own way. Uh-huh. Um, it's just... Um, uh, it's interesting. Well, when I think... When the claim gets staked as a teacher. Yeah, it's an interesting moment. It's an interesting moment. Yeah. It's an interesting moment where being a teacher becomes a brand, basically. Mm -hmm. And like anything else, it gets corporatized. Mm -hmm. And I think that back to the beginning, I think it's really interesting in our culture I've thought about this before. I've thought about when I hear so-and-so is making so much money. And then I think, God, man, the high school teacher's making like 50 grand a year. Yeah. What if they were making the $20 million a year and that other person was making the 50 grand? It's so funny how we have so little reverence for teachers in our culture. That's so true. Yeah, it's a strange... Like, teachers used to be the most revered. They in, should in, still in, be, in, I mean... In tri- and probably more tribal essences. Totally. It's such an interesting thing. Because they're passing on the knowledge... Yeah. ...of the society to the children. Right, and who that's are how we... the future generation. Yeah, that's how we'll, we'll survive. Exactly. Um... There was something I wanted to say in there. About shamans? Mm. Shamans and such. That's an interesting one. I mean, shamans are definitely born and then they do have to have their initiations. Like all the shamans, they go off and live alone in the forest for a whole year and do a fucking fast where they're just drinking a little bit of ayahuasca every day and living between realms and like mm-hmm. immersing themselves in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I think it's an interesting idea also, the idea of being born into something. Oh, well, dude, I was thinking about the football coaches who have never played football. Yeah, dude. That's well, interesting to me. Yeah. Like, Belichick never really played football. He played he's a, a little. master coach. Yeah, he played he, a little well, okay, in college. never played in the NFL. But there are some like, coaches. Like, would you call him a master football player? But then he's coaching football, pl- football players. Mm-hmm. Like, that's interesting. 
That's why I say he's really a football monk. Like he's made his, he's devoted right. his life to studying the art of football. So that's kind of interesting in terms of yoga. What if your yoga teacher can't do a full, uh, uh-huh. a full bow pose? Is he uh-huh. not a master yoga teacher? Uh huh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a so really good one. What's it really about? It's an interesting thing. That, I think, is the delineating factor. What is this about for you? Mm-hmm. Because it bleeds into the teaching. You can't, you can't be a master teacher if you're teaching from ego. goes back to that thing we talked about a while ago about healers. When a healer is on an ego trip, they become a parasite. Mm. Because you're walking around going, hey, man, you need this. You need this thing. Yeah. You need me to give you this medicine. <clears throat> you're not okay until you do that. Yeah. You're a fucking <laughs> parasite, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a lot of people doing that. And that's a fucking problem. That's a real problem. Right. Because you're walking around and you're manipulating people who are wounded into believing they need something. That may or may not be beneficial, Mm -hmm. but you're creating a need in the wounded individual Mm -hmm. who's got their own quagmire of necessities as it is. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Because it's also that, that old saying, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for life. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So like if you're a great teacher, your students are going on their way. Right. right. They're not coming back to you over and over again because they need something. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. you want to teach a master. You want to teach somebody in a way that gives them the opportunity to become a master on their own rather than needing you as the master. Right. Or there's that Jesus thing, I don't show the way, I am the way, which uh-huh. sort of sounds sort of... Like he is trying to get you to do something. But. Well, the message, well, that's the interesting thing. The underlying message in that is just watch what I do yeah. and do that. Yeah, that's it. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. Man. You don't, I'm not asking you to do anything. <laughs> you know, I'm not telling you where to go or, or, you know, I'm just, I'm just showing up and giving you my knowledge, which to me is so great about the teachers that, are that keep it personal still. Mm. We've, we've said this a thousand times why Ramdas is so powerful because he talks about his journey as yes. well. He's not yes, ostracizing exactly. you from the process. Yes. You know, and we've also encountered teachers who won't get personal. And for me, maybe that works for somebody else, but for me, that doesn't really work because I can't get a read on what your truth is in a way. Uh-huh. I can't get a have read. Have you been here? I can't get a read on if you were ever a student. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> have you been in this place where you're totally fucking broken down and don't know where you are and what to do? Right. Or are you just, you've always been a master? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's an hour now. What would you say to somebody that wants to be a teacher, wants to be a life coach? I feel like we've already said it, but maybe just to recap, um, I, I think, love I love what you said about take your time. What's the rush? Take your time. What's the rush? That that could be I, I asked you, but for me, that could be the essence of it for me. 
take your time, really meditate on if, if, if on, on what you're, what claim you're staking and what responsibility you're, you're taking here. I, I think, think that's that sentence to me doesn't even make sense of if somebody wants to be a teacher, uh-huh. like I feel like if you're in a place yeah. where you want to be a teacher, yeah. don't just keep, keep focusing on your craft. If you're supposed to be a teacher, that'll arise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's the guys, the guys mm-hmm. who were fucking tennis players and now they're a head coach of a football team. It's like, dude, what is this for you? I don't get it. You don't understand the grind of this game. Uh-huh. Like you have no concept of like what this is to be in these cleats uh-huh. and the scorching hot sun fucking giving your soul to the game. Mm. Like you have no clue what that's like. Mm. So you want to be a teacher? It must. You want to be a, a coach? You want to lead a team? That must be a fucking massive ego trip for you. In my, like, that's how it looks to me. Um, so I think it's, it's better. This is a great quote from Wild at Heart. He said, he stumbled on this book and he talks about how God communicates to him through books and messages and books. And he said he was at the bookstore and this book just blared out at him. Like, pick me up, read me. This is, I'm your, I'm your book. And so he grabbed the book, he opened it up, and this line blew his mind. And it said, Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and then go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Mm. And I think that that's the starting point. Mm -hmm. Become a master student. Mm -hmm. Commit yourself to a craft. Maybe it's business, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's painting, maybe it's music, whatever it is, it can be anything. Become a student of that and master it. And then maybe you'll see, oh shit, I'm just being sort of called, I'm just being called into being a teacher. Mm-hmm. People right. are coming to me. Right. I think when the teacher's ready, the student will appear. Right, right. It's totally true. Yeah, yeah. Because there are people... That's it. That's it. People will come to you. Right, right. We all end up being teachers at some point. If you stick with the craft long enough, right? And it's teacher, mentor. Yeah. yeah. Because somebody, I guarantee you, at some point in your life when you've been through hell and come out the other side in particular, and that could be totally immersed yourself in the dark cave of... Right being a student and mastering something yeah you come out the other side and there's people who are just gravitate towards you mm-hmm. Eb, can i gus can i talk to you about yeah yeah i want to throw something at you right you know and you just be you you're called into being the teacher it's like ramdas yeah remember the thing ramdas would say neem caroli uh-huh. would laugh right Ramdas just wanted to not be a teacher. He was yeah, yeah. trying to run away from being oh, yeah. a teacher. Yeah. And then he'd show up at the thing and he thought he was just going to get to like do this thing. Yeah. But the teacher wouldn't show up. 
And he'd hear Neem Karoli laughing, going, Ram Dass the teacher, Ram Dass the teacher. <laughs> and he would just be thrown into being the teacher because yeah, yeah. he was just being called to be the teacher. Yeah, I love that. love that. Um, well, that's funny. That's a really obvious thing in martial arts where you come in, you know nothing, and people are constantly teaching you. And then suddenly you're telling the other guy how to do it. Mm. You know, uh, like that's constantly happening. Yeah. You were like a week ago. I had no fucking clue. Mm. Everybody was telling me, and now suddenly I'm telling this guy how to, who just came in, how to do it. Yeah, which is funny. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, that's such an incredible aspect of the martial arts tribe. Yeah, it's like this stream, this flow of mentorship. Mm-hmm. You know, the new guy comes yeah. in, he learns, he works, he's taught. And then new newer guys come in, yeah. and then he takes over yeah. a mentorship role with yeah. those guys giving them, right. then not passing to them the knowledge that he's accrued. Yeah. Or the athletic trial. I'm sure that happened in football, right? Oh, totally. I mean, the older O-linemen, you know, the vets, the great vets, they'd always take you under their wing and yeah. show you the way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Show you how to be, how to do it, right. how to be. Right. You know, of course, there's assholes. Those guys aren't teachers. Right. You know, they're not mentors. Yeah. Um, The other thing I'll say, great piece of advice that I got from one of my teachers was don't share something until you've completely Mm. learned it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Until you've totally mastered a concept or a principle or an idea and you've seen all the way around it and recognized it as this universal truth mm-hmm. or a universal nugget of, of yeah. wisdom, of knowledge, yeah. you're not ready to share it. Right. Don't share shit that's half-baked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's an axiom in 12-step programs. It literally says that. I think yeah. in the preamble, we cannot share what we do not have, something something uh-huh. to that extent. Exactly. So that's definitely... Well, see, that that to me is where we get slippery with the social media teaching, which I would encourage people to recognize that point where... We can understand universal truths or we can understand what we're saying, but let's be conscious of whether or not we've fully integrated it yet. You know, before we're, you know, really pretending that we've done the thing already, you know? And I just think that, and I don't know. I don't know if, if you've integrated it or not. I guess that's how I... That's my, you know, relative belief in who you are, not you, but whoever I'm witnessing. Uh-huh. Um, so I think it's a lot to meditate on. And whether you're going to find your way through, yeah. you know, whether you're the teacher or you're a student who's right. coming into contact with teachers, you know what I mean? Like you're going to resonate. You're going to go where it resonates. Yeah. And maybe you go and you spend time with a teacher and realize they're an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll get everything you need from them until 
that thing is fulfilled. Doing this fast, mm-hmm. I've had this big message come through of stay in the thing until you receive the message. Mm. Stay with it until you've received the message and it's grounded in your body. Mm. Whether that's prayer, whether that's a fast, whether that's a practice, stay with that thing until you've totally grounded yourself in it. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you're shortchanging yourself mm-hmm. on a message that could be coming through that's really important for you on your journey. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's that's in many ways when you shortchange yourself the opportunity of fully receiving a message of some practice or discipline you're missing an opportunity mm-hmm. to fully experience mm-hmm. what that thing has for you mm-hmm. and there's a one of my one of my big mentors he said this thing to me i forget the tribe that he was referring to might have been the lakota or when they do a rain dance they don't stop the dance until they feel the water beneath their feet. Mm. And the same thing goes for prayer and affirmation. Don't stop praying until you feel the praying, the prayer immersed in your cells. Mm. You feel it in your being. Mm. So you don't stop the rain dance until you literally feel the water beneath your feet. It might not be raining yet, mm-hmm. but your body has come into recognizing that the rain is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've grounded yourself in the rain prayer. Right. right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I love that. Which and we me, can do that in anything. Right. You know? Which to me is the practice, which to me is take your time with totally, learning. Man. With totally. Learning. Yeah. I love it. Love it, brother. Dope. Thank Dope. you so much. Thank you. It's an hour and 10 minutes. Perfect. All right, this is uh, I'm Augustus. This is Eben. This is the Reality Now uh, podcast newsletter on Substack meets the Eben Flow podcast on Spotify and all of the other channels. Um, subscribe on Substack. Subscribe on Spotify to to the Eben Flow. We've got HigherPowerWorkshop.com. We've got some fun stuff on there. Uh, Eb has the Ebb and Flow book on Amazon. Also go to Goodreads and review his book and rate it. Mm. Uh, also, my books are on Amazon, How to Kill a White Man, uh, A Life Worth Dying For, which we did together, and a few other books. And you can rate and review How to Kill a White Man on Goodreads as well. That really helps just spread the word. Um Leave your comments on and like this and subscribe. I mean, the comments are cool because then then we can get feelings on what people uh, vibrated with. I always like that. And uh, I'd be curious to know if you're a student or a teacher or what your path is with all this stuff as well. So, Dope, brother. Thank you, guys. Sending love. Lots of love, y'all. Peace. Namaste.